Well, good morning. I can't take my eyes off of you. What a great song. Um, before, before we get into kind of like the formal part of the dedication, I just want to remind you that, that this, this event or, or these next few moments are, are a community acknowledgement as well. We really feel that this is an important component to a parental dedication. That these parents are not left alone, not meant to feel alone. That, that, um, that in many ways, we are a community of faith together. Because in, in, in the world that we live, parenting is difficult enough, let alone parenting in, in faith. So we want to be a support, we want to be an encouragement, we want to walk alongside these families and to continue to give them what they need as they, as they dedicate today to commit their children to the Lord, to His will and to His purpose, and to guide them in the steps that the Lord directs them. Now as part of the community uh, privilege, you'll notice that there's a table at the back and um, I, I think this is a really neat idea, but uh, we've, we've blown up uh, four of the, the pictures of, of the children. So you get the sign, um, and that's kind of a memento for them to take home. We have a certificate and a gift for them. So please don't leave today without you know, putting a little signature and just blessing them. So these, they have that for, for you know, years down the road to remember that as a community, we came together um, to bless them and to come alongside. Um, there are four, three families that are being dedicated, four children, uh, the Cowling family, the Quesson family, and the Berries. Um, but the Cowlings, you're the only ones first service. Do you know that? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. So come on up. This, this, this whole thing's just for you. Uh, I, think, I think that's awesome. I really do. So come on up. For those of you that don't know, this is Pat and Jessica Cowling and Ellis. Hi, Ellis. You've grown so much. Do you like being up here? Wow, nice shoes. Yeah? Now, we did this with Ellis. Three, is it three years? I was going to say two. Wow. Well, congratulations. And this is Wesley. Hi, Wesley. Um... M mommy's first mate. Wow. So we have, when we do parental dedications, we do it in two steps. We have a, a, a commitment a statement that the parents make, then a commitment prayer that the parents make. But at the conclusion of that, we're going to ask the congregation to stand and to make a commitment back to the family and a prayer as well. And as we do so, um, we're gathering together, as I've said before, around this family and, and walking alongside them as they commit their family and walk to the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to read this in unison with me as a parental vow of commitment to your children, to Wesley in particular today. And would you read along with me? We recognize that God has given us our children and has called us to love, nurture, and discipline them in accordance with his word. We acknowledge our need to provide a secure atmosphere in which love, forgiveness, 
and godliness are present. We affirm our primary responsibility to teach our children the Bible by instructing them in its meaning and by demonstrating its life-changing power. Here's the prayer of dedication. Lord, in our parenting, help us to follow your will. Guard us against the extremes of both destructive criticism and unrealistic expectations of our children. Give us wisdom, strength, love, and godliness as we seek to lead, guide, and advise our children. Powerful words. Um, if I could ask the congregation to stand as well. As we make this commitment back to this family, would you repeat with me as well? We acknowledge the children of the church to be an integral part of the congregation and therefore important to our congregational life. We declare our desire to be godly community, modeling for our children what it means to know Christ personally. We affirm it to be our privilege and responsibility to care for and encourage the spiritual development of these children. Here's the prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for these children and for what we learn by observing and caring for them. Help us to respect their personhood and yet correct them when needed, demonstrating to them your own watchful care over us all. May we model Christ for them and encourage their spiritual growth. Help them to see in our love for you and for them and for one another the marks of a true community of Christ in whose great name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, congratulations. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Bye. And we thank you that as a community and as we gather together this morning that we've been allowed to, in freedom, offer up our hearts in worship to you. Thank you that we've been able to celebrate with a family who have made a public declaration of raising their child and their children and walking in your word and what that means for the years that lie ahead. So Father, as we continue to worship and continue to unfold the meaning of a day such as today, we pray that you would remind us, that you would touch us and refresh us in your word and in the truth of scripture this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, nice. Thanks, and uh, you can take a seat. I thought, uh, I thought this morning, since we're um, having the parental dedications, that we would um, you know, reflect on, on probably a biblical passage that is the most quoted biblical passage when it comes to parents, children, raising, all of that stuff. And, and you know, as, as I was reflecting on this, I, 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 I thought to myself, um, what a daunting task it is when you come to realize that you are responsible for another human being. Yeah. <laughs> Every, you you kind of get that, right? I'll never, you know, I, I, I know I've said this a number of times, I will never forget the day we brought our firstborn home 
and put them on the bed. And Darlene and I said, now what? Like it was the most frightening, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, and, and I, you know, many of you, many of you know that experience. Or many of you experienced uh, an elderly parent that you now are responsible for, you know. Um, many of us have ex- experienced those things. And, and it is a daunting task, and it is a lot of responsibility, and it, and it can overwhelm, and it can bring you to a place of wondering if I'm ever... You know, I don't know if I've ever, ever, ever met a parent that said, I've got this. I've got it all figured out. This kid's going to be okay. In fact, we've all said, you kidding me? <laughs> right? Um, and, and, all of, and all of that. And, and that's all right. We, we make mistakes. Um, you know, um, even um, there's, there's, there's been moments, even as a grandparent, where I look back and, and I go, wow. I wish I had known that 20 years ago, right? And we've all been in that place. So what, you know, what we're celebrating today is, and I don't, I don't mean to put it in, in dire terms or anything like that, but it's a big responsibility. But on top of that, the Bible does actually have a lot to say about generations, about children, about raising them, about nurturing in them the kinds of values that we all want in our kids, the kind of values that we all want in the next generation. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've said this many times as well, is that we were really blessed when we were in a part of a community where if our kids didn't come to us, there was somebody else in their lives that had the values that we could, we could let them go to, and we had confidence that those people were going to invest in them in the same way that they invested in our kids. And that was so important. That because, because you know yourself, sometimes your kids just don't want to talk to you. They just don't want to you know, uh, you know, approach you because it's, it's a difficult topic. But if you can you know, allow them to go somewhere else, to, 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 to somebody else that has the same values, it really is a powerful community um, connector for them. So here's, here's a passage that uh, I, I just want to take a few minutes to, to look at this morning. And it is, I, and I've, I've put it into three different versions, all right? We've all heard it, but I want to read all three. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Third one from the message, point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. Um, now, typically, as, as we think about that passage, it's like if uh, you raise your children correctly, they will come back to God eventually. That is, that is typically the way that passage has been understood and taken. But let me, let me propose something to you, that this passage is actually much more than that. It's much more than just a statement that could potentially add to a parent's guilt, if I, could, if I could put it that way. Because many of us have experienced seasons where our children have not literally followed the Lord. And we've wondered about that. And we kind of use this passage to say, you know, the time's going to come. We're just, you know, time's going to come. The time's going to come. The time's going to come. And if they don't, then we believe that we've done something wrong. Okay? 
what the passage what the passage alludes to or points towards is something a little bit more profound something a little bit more um, this is one of the passages that when all the for for the 15, 14 or 15 years that I taught Hebrew I forced my students to translate and I said so what is it really what does it say I, you know, I hate what does it really say, but what is it pointing towards? What's alluding to? Why, why would this be important to people who are gathering around children? Why would this be important? And, what, and, and, and to a student, for the years that, that we worked at it, every, every one of them recognized that what the passage is talking about, what the passage is alluding to, is train a child according to their personality, according to their bent, that as a parent, you need to recognize what it is that, that is, is, is a good environment or a good teaching tool for your child. You know, I've, you know Darlene and I have said many, many times, the, the best thing we ever did, did was put a pair of drumsticks in our oldest son and a camera in the hands of our younger son, right? If we had to reverse that, it would never have worked. Both creative, but po- both totally in, in, in different ways. Right? And we recognize, you know, I didn't recognize it. Darlene recognized it. You know. <laughs> okay? Dar- Darlene recognized it. She had it dialed in, you know, far better than I had. But, but the nurture that we provide as parents should be tailored to the nature of the child. That's what the passage is alluding to. That as a parent, if there is a primary responsibility in the life of your children is to recognize what motivates them, what, what, how they're wired, what, what, what gets them excited, what it, and, and, and guide them along that path and nurture that, that, that kind of, those qualities, those gifts that they naturally have as part of it. That's the way that God wired them. What, it, what, it's, what it's asking you as a parent is to partner with the way God has built your children. Now, have you ever, you know, again, I'm, I'm talking to parents and I'm talking to aunts, uncles, and, and all that. But have you ever been surprised at how kids coming from the same gene pool are, can be dramatically different? <laughs> you know? But God's, God's wired all, all the children differently. So that's, that's a very important distinction to, to, to make, you know? And we fight, you know, we fight it between the nurture and the nature argument. I, you know, if you're involved in any of that. And in fact, you know, what's interesting about now, now science is saying it's not just nature and nurture, now it's epigenetics, okay? So now there's a third thing that's involved in, in epigenetics is, you know, how they eat, uh, if they exercise, you know, the thing on top of the genetic code. Okay, I just lost y'all, you guys. Sorry. That's, that's okay. But, you know, we're always evolving in, in our understanding about what it is about our kids, right? But isn't it, isn't it amazing, isn't it amazing that when you understand your children well and you guide them well and you foster in them the gifts that God has given to them, how they tend to flourish more than if you force them in a, in a, in a particular way that may be comfortable for you but not comfortable for them that's that that's that's what this passage is alluding to and 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 that is something that if you demonstrate in their lives it becomes a natural motivator for them to continue to grow a natural motivator for them to become the whole person that god intended them to be okay it's just you know, again, if, that's, if there's one responsibility as a parent is not to treat your kids 
like a carbon copy stamp of each other. That it is a, a skill for a parent to understand the children and to know how to form that in their lives. So those, that nurture that we provide as parents needs to be tailored to the nature of, of the child, which means being involved. And guys, sometimes for us, that's hard, right? Okay, it's easy to wrestle with them, but, you know. And, and in fact, isn't that, you know, I think that's the big blessing of, of the recent generations is, is guys were more involved with our kids, right? That's one of the things that's, that's a huge blessing in the lives of our children. Here's, here's, here's the problem that happens with this particular passage, right? If we treat it as if it's about a rebellious child, that even if they become rebellious, they'll eventually come back to you. Here's the problem. Is it, it fosters needless guilt in the life of a parent. Okay, because it wasn't, this passage was never meant to be about a rebellious child that does not come back to the Lord. It was never intended to, 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 to stress that because a rebellious child is responsible for their own rebellion, biblically. Responsible for their own rebellion. So it's not meant to guilt parents. And, I, you know, as a parent, you're just going to naturally feel that anyway, right? I know that. But it's not meant to do that. Secondly, it, it, can, it can produce foolish pride. I know parents... Oh, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, if your children turn out okay, if I can say that, you may have a tendency to think that you did it. You may have a tendency to think it was all about you, all how I did it, etc., etc. But that's not, you know, God had something to do with that. Very, very important. All right, and the third thing, it can, it can produce false hope. You, you can think, you know, I made all these mistakes, but, you know, you know they're going to rebel, I know but eventually they will come back, okay? That's not what the passage was intended to do, all right? So what, what, what does the Bible teach? What does the Bible communicate about this? And here, here are three things I want to remind you about. Rebellion happens even in the best environments. You've heard of Adam and Eve, right? If there's anything that brings you comfort, it's Adam and Eve <laughs> when, it, when it comes. Perfect environment, perfect plan, <laughs> perfect garden, one rule. <laughs> one rule, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I get a lot of comfort from Genesis 1 to, 1 to 3, personally. Rebellion happens even in the best environments, okay? Secondly, everyone is responsible for their own decisions and their own actions. Um, that is the way the Bible... Um, projects the individual responsibility. Every human being has individual responsibility. Number three, but not to make it dire or hopeless, we can have a lot of influence. In fact, that's where the Bible's majority um, of, of verses and chapters are talking about, is the influence a parent can have Understanding their children, nurturing their children, and being able to influence them in the direction that God has wired them and gifted them. And that's where the strength of your faith and your, um, you know, your home and what it nurtures as an environment for faith is, is, is very, very important. Very important. 
So we can have a lot of influence. If you're an aunt and uncle, you can have a lot of influence. If you're a grandparent, you can have a lot of influence. Your life is much more on display than you can possibly imagine. You may not be able to force, coerce, but you certainly can influence and help and even direct if you're careful. All right, so... So here, here's, here's some, how do we guide and provide, okay? So to, to the Cowlings and, and, and to the rest of you, here, here are just some suggestions that come out of the Bible. Adapt to their unique bent in world. Understand your kids. Talk to your kids. Communicate with your kids. Find out what it is that, that, that motivates them, that drives them. How many, how many of you have... Um, stubborn. How many of us are stubborn? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we all treat that as a bad quality, right? How many of us treat that as a bad quality, right? That's a God-given quality. If that's directed properly in the life of an individual, you know what discipline that, that brings into a person's life? Um, um, headstrong. Uh, yeah, anyway, we can, we, we can go on. But, but what, what sometimes we see in a child as overactive or whatever, if that's directed properly, that becomes a great motivation for a child as they grow up. But unfortunately, we, a lot of times we look at these qualities in a young child and we think it's a negative. But it's actually how God has wired them you're responsible to help direct that energy in a way. And, 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 oh yeah, but trust me, it's difficult, right? The first few years is very hard, okay? It takes a lot of energy. Wow, have I ever learned that as a grandparent? It takes a lot of energy to chase a one-year-old around. Wow, I don't know where they... If, couldn't you just love to tap into that energy for like, I'm really tired, can I just zap a bit out of you? <laughs> oh, I'm topped up now. Thank you very much. And they still got plenty to go. I just, it's just unbelievable to me. I'd forgotten. Um, number two, pray fervently. Cannot stress this enough. The Bible talks about this all the time. Prayer should be a vital component of you and your relationship with your kids. Um, you know, even Darlene and I even prayed for you know the future spouses of our kids. You know, when they were when they were babies, we we, we started we started that. We, we you know we started um, praying about certain characteristics of theirs, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and and pray fervently. It wasn't just it wasn't just prayer of protection over the kids. It was it was focused. It was understanding who they were. It was trying to. Uh, ask God to give us wisdom to see the kinds of things in our children that we needed to see as parents and to help guide them and direct them. Um, so um, when I say pray fervently, I don't mean just as a blanket prayer over top of the kids. I just, you know, again, focused and directed and, and really intentional about what it is that you want to see in your children. You know, and of course, the faith component is very, very very important. And again, uh, with, with Darlene and I, it was, it was always uh, a spiritual conversation whenever we had an opportunity 
to turn it into a spiritual conversation that was really important. Uh, number three, work on having a great marriage. Can't stress that enough. You know, if you fight in front of your kids, can I just make one suggestion? If you fight in front of your kids, help them see the way that you resolve it. A lot of times that's probably healthier that they see a good resolution to the way you fight than you fighting without resolving it at all in front of them. Okay? We fight. We, you know, when you get two people together in the same room over 30 years, you're going to fight. If you don't, I am. Yeah. You, know you know what I mean? Kids need to see healthy relationships, the good and the bad, and to see you resolve it well, not hide it. Okay, that's 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 part of it because you know we have a we have a problem where where in our culture no one likes conflict, no one likes conflict, and yet there are so many circumstances where people hold all things inside because they don't know how to communicate to another person to tell them that you know they're upset or how to resolve a problem, how to resolve a conflict. Don't ingrain that into our kids. Help them to have you know healthy ways of relating to other people. All right. Uh, four, reinforce values through community. This is where, this is where it's really important. Um, again, as part of our vision statement, when we talk about a, you know, a vital kids connection, a vital youth connection, that you know, as part of the church, kids as they grow up through the church, they see the community as a very important part. That's the number one thing that keeps kids in church, by the way. It's not the, the, the strength of the, of, of the youth program. or anything. It's the strength of the community. The more that they feel a part of the community, the harder it is for them to walk away from the church. That's, that's the number one thing that keeps them in the church is the sense of community. Number five, don't be unreasonably strict. Uh, from Ephesians 6.4, Colossians 3.21. Um, again, um, sometimes in a family, uh, one parent's a good cop, one parent's a bad cop. Right? At least you balance it out. Okay? Number six, don't embarrass them with religious zeal from Ecclesiastes 7. Um, I'll leave that one as is. And is there a seventh? Be real in truth and in love. And that's something that we just talked about a few minutes ago. Be, true, be, be real in truth and in love. Um, you know, our kids need to see us um, warts and all, right? But how, how we resolve the things of life as well. So, you know, hopefully those, those seven help very much um, in trying to understand what it is as a community and as, as families that are looking to grow and to teach and to nurture their children in the Lord. Um, it's a great privilege for us to, to dedicate families, and, and we're very fortunate to have young families in the church and, and to watch them grow together. Um, so it's a real privilege. At this time, we're going to welcome people into membership as we close out this morning. Um, I want to invite up Brad Alcox and Renee Benoit. If you would like to come up, please. Um, uh, Summer Mufawad, come on up. And Matt Rowe. You want, come on up, Matt. <laughs> Did you know this is coming? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, you want to? 
get over here. It is a great privilege for us as elders. Um, Ernest is in Ghana right now. Otherwise, Ernest would be up here too as well to welcome everybody into membership. But again, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to partner with us in a formal way. And it's our privilege to welcome you formally into membership and to have you as part of the family here at Village Green Community Church. Um, Brent will uh, introduce you again, and he's going to pray and commit you to the Lord this morning. All right. What a great privilege. Um, For those of you who don't know, this is Matt Rowe. Years ago, he was on our worship team, leading in worship, went with us on a mission trip. And as he graduated from university, he ended up in Vietnam, marrying E, and they have two children. And now he's back from Toronto and has come back. And we're so excited that he has wanted to continue with the community he began with as a teenager, uh, through his parents. And, And that's just great. Uh, Summer Mufalad, um, it's great privilege for me to introduce you to her. She's my daughter-in-law's sister and uh, was in Halifax for a couple years, graduated as an audiologist, and has come back here and has been searching for a church family. And we're just so pleased, as she has said, after looking around, decided she loves the community here, the spirit here, and wants to commit herself to be part of that as a member. For Brad and Renee, uh, Brad and Renee, who will be married and become Alcocks, but right now it's Brad, Renee, <laughs> Brad and Renee Dubois. Next month, I think it's Thanksgiving weekend, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, so, so we, we certainly want to embrace that as an encouragement also. But we are just so pleased that you have come here and have said, we publicly want to say to the community and to God, we are committing ourselves to you, to work with you, to serve you, and to grow with you. So thank you very much. And be sure, all of you afterwards, take the time to welcome them also. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together. What a great morning of celebration from children at the beginning and their families and the dedication there. And we want to dedicate these people who are entering into membership, that they have proclaimed their love for you and for our community. And we ask that as we grow together, you will help us understand one another and how they will serve and how we will love and care for one another and encourage one another. So we thank you now in your name. Amen.